Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flag Time Machine, I am Andy Hot Body Dawson, pow, pow, pow. Uh, I am Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? You sounded slightly uncertain there. I, 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 I do apologise, my name is Nifty Delaney. <laughs> I'm a guy with a lot of nicknames, you know, so sometimes it's easy to forget. And yeah. frustratingly, Nifty is the one that people use the least, which is frustrating oh. me because obviously Nifty is the one that I have really championed and yeah, pushed. And it's gone right back to your childhood, that one. It's a long term. I think it's the um, best one for me. Yeah. It's the one that I like the most. And yet people will call me Fish Cake. I was going to say Fish Twitter. Cake's probably the one, yeah. yeah. And this Beeping Timmy thing, people forget Beeping Timmy was something I created about myself as a joke. I pretended yeah. that my neighbour. The one, I did look. I did beep at my neighbour by mistake once, and yeah. it's been awkward between us ever since. I saw him as yeah. And he is a he is a man who owns a van. Um, he is he is a he is a manly man, and yeah, he works you. hard. He works <laughs> hard, which job. I I do not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> is dilettant dilettant the word? I don't know. But. I'm not sure. Flanner, I think might be. Yeah. Right, so but he's, fa- he's, he's more about. of a traditional blue-collar male. Works with his and hands. Yeah. He works with his hands, right? And I work with my wits. <laughs> <laughs> and I beeped him. Like Alan Corrid. Yeah, yeah. I beeped him, right, by mistake. And then I felt like he waved at me and I waved back and it was just weird. Mm. And when I was telling this story about two years ago, I was the one who said beeping Timmy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the street called me Beeping Timmy. I think you were the one who added to it by saying Beeping Timmy the street weed. (laughs) I think I might have done, yeah. (laughs) Which is, you know, fair fair dues. That's very funny. But, (laughs) but, you know, forget, stop calling me Beeping Timmy and Fish Cake. My official (sighs) nickname is Nifty, right? And that's just a fact. Well, this is going to be You're lucky. Even less Everyone knows you as hot body, and that's it. They're going to even be even less inclined to use it now. You've insisted on it. I know. You know? I've stitched well, myself what can right you up. Do? Yeah. That's just reminding me of something that I'll, I'll forget to mention this by the time I get to a, a regular episode. But I've been watching on Amazon, Amazon Prime. There's a great documentary about darts uh, yeah. called House of Flying Arrows, and it mm. covers the the World Championships of. 2016 I think maybe it is um, been a few years but they talk about the split in the darts world in the mid 90s when 
uh, some of the top players wanted to break away from the, the recognised darts organisation and form mm. the PDC as it is now, which is the big glitz and glamour, the big you know division of darts, almost like when the Premier League split away from the EFL. Um, and what, what had kind of triggered that was because there was less and less TV coverage of the darts, which meant less and less exposure for them, less income, obviously. They were getting frustrated with how darts was being run. But the major thing that had happened was that the BBC had basically pulled all of their darts coverage. And the BBC mm. had been the home of darts in the 80s, if you remember. Mm. You know, when we were, we were young and darts was always Classic on. It was on the darts, BBC. Yeah. Mainly BBC Two. It was the home of darts. And B- the BBC, BBC Two, had pulled all of their darts coverage. This was a disaster for darts. Do you know who was the controller of BBC Two at the time who pulled all the darts? Yentob. Fucking Yentob. Of course it fucking was. I got it in one because he's the cunt behind everything like that. What did Yentob replace it with? Oh fucking hell! I don't know. It'll have been. It'll in have been a program probably... presented by me. That's that was the. But Yentob kept making commissioning programs starring him, Himself. Alan Yentob. Yeah, it's me, Alan Yentob, and I'm hiding in a bush, spying on one of my favourite intellectual friends. It had been something probably with Titchmarsh in it, and it had been something about home improvement or something like that. It had mm. been something incredibly middle class. Alan Titchmarsh comes to my house in Islington. Does my garden <laughs> for me. And does my garden with a new patio. While, while I spy at him through the bush. <laughs> That's me, Fucking Alan Yentop, with Bush by House Makeover. This Thursday yeah. night at 9pm. So there you are. But the joke's on him because, as I say, this created the PDC breakaway and it made darts bigger and stronger than ever before and it helped turn into the behemoth that it is now. So fucking Yentob. How thought do you he feel about that now, Yentob, if you're listening? Exactly. Yeah, look at it now, prick. Um, so there, I thought I'd mention that. We are. Uh, this yeah. is actually a History Box episode because we're still looking at the time when Elvis Presley... Um, Turned up at the White House, un- unannounced pretty much, to meet uh, Richard Nixon. And um, there's there's no transcript of the meeting. So it's kind of a bit vague about what really happened, you know. It's it's all down to who was in the room at the time or who was overhearing what happened. But yeah. there's a memo from um, an aide who was in the room called Egil Krog, and his nickname was Bud. One of those things where Americans have got this inexplicable middle name, which is like a self-appointed nickname, like Sam Nifty Delaney. Like Nifty, yeah. This is Eggle Bud Krog. Why was he called Bud? Fuck knows. It's just not, it's not a derivative from Eggle or Krog, mm. so I don't know. But Bud Bud Krog wrote up this memo, um, <clears throat> and it says, the president mentioned that he thought Presley could reach young people and that it was important for Presley to retain his credibility. Presley responded that he did his thing by, inverted commas, just singing. That was his thing. That was how he influenced the kids, I guess. He said he could not get to the kids if he made a a speech on the stage. He had to reach them in his own way. The president nodded in agreement. So I don't know how he's planning to reach the kids off stage. This is very very sinister. Presley indicated Uh, that... Presley indicated that he thought the Beatles had been a real force for anti-American spirit. Yeah. He said the Beatles came to this country, made their money, and then returned to England where they promoted an anti-American theme. 
the president nodded in agreement and <laughs> expressed some surprise. <laughs> I am surprised, but I agree with you. <laughs> I am choosing to agree with you, Mr. Presley. Just to make this this already tremendously awkward situation slightly less awkward, I am going to raise my eyebrows in sur- surprise while simultaneously nodding. <laughs> um, I can I see it's it's becoming clear to me that you have only two reasons to be here. One is for me to give you an honorary FBI badge. The other is for me to, in some way, legislate against the Beatles because you it's, hate them because they've become more successful than you. <laughs> it seems to me that you are slightly unhinged, Mr. Presley, and you have a very... very in their Beatles, they smuggled their peanuts into Graceland. <laughs> they know full well that my kids have a peanut allergy and that they're Ringo, the guy with the big nose. He's put them up his penis. <laughs> To get he through my not, peanut security. He did not even ask permission in my home. He had those goddamn peanuts up his penis. And as soon uh, as he got through security, he started popping them out one by one and nibbling on them right there pop, 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 in pop, 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 pop. Like a machine gun. <laughs> pop, pop. You ever seen a thing like that, Mr. President? <laughs> not in all my years have I seen a man, an English man, Popping peanuts out of his penis. I never thought I'd see it either, but there we go. <laughs> so the president is kind of tolerating this this meeting, I think. Uh, it says the president then indicated that those who use drugs are also those in the vanguard of anti-American protest. Violence, drug usage, dissent, dissent, protest, all seem to merge in generally the same group of young people. Fucking hell. I mean, this is, this is kind of, you know, the dissent and protest mm. are seen as something that's like completely that's intolerable. A healthy fucking government should welcome dissent and protest. Yeah. How Not else so do you much learn? violence and drug usage. How else yeah. do you learn, eh? Yeah, well. How do you learn um, where things are going wrong unless there's kids out on the street fucking burning shit telling you it's going wrong? That's borderline dictatorship stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Presley indicated to the president in a very emotional manner that he was, inverted commas, on your side. Um, (laughs) Presley kept repeating that he wanted to be helpful, that he wanted to restore some respect for the flag which was being lost. He mentioned he was just a poor boy from Tennessee (laughs) who had gotten a lot from his country, which in some way he wanted to repair. He also mentioned that he is studying communist brainwashing. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing. I've been studying that they're communist brainwashing. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with what I learned. (laughs) Not just communist brainwashing. He is studying communist brainwashing and the drug culture for over 10 years. (laughs) As he fuck. (laughs) He mentioned he knew a lot. He mentioned that he ever knew a lot in, about ever this. Ever been in a meeting? I doubt you've ever done this, but obviously I have. It's not really your start where you're trying to get through to the person. You're trying to impress them, right, in mm. some way. But what you're telling them is not really... Their face doesn't... It doesn't look as if it's landing. It doesn't look as if it's getting the reaction that you were hoping. <laughs> so suddenly, in a desperate last bid to like, like impress them, you just chuck something random out. Like, yeah. oh, and by the way, I've been studying drug culture for 10 years. <laughs> like, it's, he's just thrown it out there off the top of his head. 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. the president is yet to fucking just give him the badge that he wants. Yeah. And the 10 years just, just fortifies what he's saying, is it? Oh, yeah. I ain't just been studying it for a few weeks. It's been oh, uh, 10 years. 10 years at least. And, uh, oh, and if that's not enough, I've also, for the same period, been studying communist brainwashing. <laughs> this is great he says he mentioned that he knew a lot about this and was accepted by the hippies (laughs) (laughs) he says he's accepted by the hippies wow yeah Yeah. I am accepted fully and completely by the hippies I have their blessing I got it on paper I didn't bring it with me but I can supply you with a copy if you don't believe me no that's fine Mr. Presley I do believe you I can see in your eyes you don't believe me well I believe you if I can't if I can't find the letter I'll get a, I'll get a duplicate sent out from the hippie's head office <laughs> it costs ten bucks to get a duplicate but it's well worth it that seems a lot from hippies but they gotta keep they gotta pay the bills just like anyone else um <laughs> Communist brainwashing obviously is awesome. Uh, I'm not saying it's good to brainwash anyone, but I, I mean it's an awesome subject. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched the film The Manchurian Candidate? Oh, got a long time ago, yeah. Fuck, you yeah. know, that is one yeah. of my. The original, I think it was remade yeah. with Denzel Washington, but the, re, the original's got Murder She Wrote in it mm-hmm. and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad fucking cast for the get go, and various other people whose names I can't remember. Um, but Frank Sinatra she murder she wrote. <laughs> nah, well, it's Angela Lansbury, but I call, I call her fucking Murder She Wrote because it's better. <laughs> um, and she's brilliant in it. But that is the ultimate communist brainwashing movie. Yeah. And it's fucking superb. Scary. Yeah. Um, so I don't he's... know if that had been released yet. It must have been, yeah. Elvis had probably seen that. And maybe that's what he meant by studying communist brainwashing. I'm just looking to see when it came out. I came out in 1962, so he probably started studying it after that. So maybe yeah. eight years. Well, maybe he just watched it, and, that, and yeah. he counts that as studying. Yeah. He, um, so, yeah, the hippies. Uh, he said he could go right into a group of young people or hippies um, and be accepted, which he felt could be helpful to him in his drug drive. The president mm. indicated again, his concern that Presley retain his credibility. <laughs> <laughs> Nix is just like, mm, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> you should definitely retain your credibility, Mr. Presley. Uh, when will this be over? <laughs> Fucking hell. It says, at the conclusion of the meeting, Presley again told the president how much he supported him and then, in a surprising, spontaneous gesture, put his left arm around the president and hugged him. <laughs> <laughs> come here, come here, big guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a big old Elvis reach around. Come on, it's the, it's, the, it's the biggest like power play in history. This, I think, that's the main reason why we're looking at it for history box. Is that Elvis has decided who's the one person who's bigger than the president? It's me, Elvis. Yeah, and I'll go and prove it by going and just taking the yeah. piss at his yeah. fucking rig, turning up yeah. unannounced and just fucking larging it. He needs to be reminded about who's really in charge in this country. Yeah. You know, fucking hell. So that's the that's the memo from. Uh, what was his but name? it's very Bush much like Crocker. the blind leading the blind because that thing with politicians once in a while, 
they turn their thoughts to how do we connect with the young people. I think 99% of the time they couldn't give a fuck. They're not thinking about any of that. And yeah. then once in a while, they think, oh, we should connect to young people, shouldn't we? And um, But they haven't got the first fucking clue about the way young people are. Not only because they themselves are not young anymore, but even when they were young, the average politician was a fucking weird sort of Lampard young fogey. Yeah, so they've got Mm. no fucking idea. They were like rocking the debating society while everyone else was out getting pissed, you know. And so what happens is they're really easily hoodwinked by people claiming to have a a way of communicating with the youth. So it's classic, like, Maggie Thatcher believing that fucking Jim Davidson and Cilla Black were her way in to young people. Yeah. Right. Or Jimmy Savile. Uh, it's the same thing. They can go, well, we, you know, Jimmy Savile can turn up at Checkers and go, Alan, Alan, I know all about the young people because of Jim Fixer <laughs> and Radio One. Right. And she's just like, yeah, well, he must do. And look, he doesn't wear a suit like the rest of us. He must fucking understand how the kids are thinking. And in some ways, only in some ways, Elvis was like America's Savile. I don't mean with his awful crimes, but what I mean yeah. is he's sort of the jewellery, the larger-than-life persona. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if Savile based himself on Elvis at all, perhaps. Must have done to a degree. Yeah, the, yeah I guess you know, so. You know when I... When I no, I bring this up a lot, but one of the funny, numerous funny things that I remember Jimmy Savile saying to me when I, I went round to his rig and interviewed him mm. was, I said, do you have any friends, like just normal mates? And he went, oh, all my mates are dead. And I <laughs> went, like who? And he went, John Lennon, Body Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I used to have mates, but they died. John Lennon, Buddy Holly, they were my main two mates. We used to go out together for a curry once a week. Not anymore. They're dead. <laughs> that sounds like a real threat, though, isn't it? John Lennon, he got shot. Buddy Holly, his uh, plane crashed. in a plane think, crash. Think on, kid. <laughs> Don't cross me. You. They, they, they were asking too many questions. <laughs> about, about yours truly. Jalapeño. <laughs> 
he named some fucking funny people who he claimed to have been G- his mates who were G- all dead. G- GFK. JFK, dead. <laughs> Diana, dead. Like uh, the space dog who the Russians <laughs> sent into outer space. Uh, or him, dead. can't remember. She, she, was, she or he were, was one of, probably my best mate. Died. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey the giraffe. <laughs> what was that giraffe that died in the 70s? I don't know, but Jeffrey was the Jeffrey the giraffe from the Toys R Us advert. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the bear. He's, he's dead. Northmeister <laughs> bear. He was a good pal. Uh, he dead. dead he got he got cancer. Bless him. <laughs> bear cancer. He got bear cancer. They're because right, of all the lager. <laughs> Talking of bears, just a quick okay. one. But when we were when when we were away. In Hungary, I was in the swimming pool with my kids, and one of them said, I think, Len said, what does polar actually mean? Because it's used in, oh, someone was talking about bipolar, right? Right, yeah. My daughter does psychology GCSE, which is fucking Mm. interesting, some of the shit she comes back with for me, right? And um, and we're talking about bipolar, and he went, what what does polar actually mean then? Because you hear it used with mental health, but then, you know, with other things like geography... And she said, <clears throat> well, basically, it just means extreme, really. You know, mm. it's it's an extreme. So there's a pause. And then Len said something that I've never observed before. He went, so basically, a polar bear literally means an extreme bear. <laughs> 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 and I was like, yeah, fucking hell. Uh, that makes polar bears even more awesome than they were already. I'm not just any bear. <sighs> I'm an extreme bear. Think of all the things that you associate with bears. Times it by ten, and that's me. (laughs) Aren't all bears extreme, really? To some extent, they they certainly they live out loud, don't they, bears? Yeah, they all do. There's this thing as a low key bear, is there? No, but polar bears are the most mental bears. I think. I mean, someone will probably get in touch now and go, "But actually, the maddest bear." But I've always thought they're the maddest bear because. They, they're the cunts who, like, they're always fucking hungry, for starters, right? Because yeah. there's not much to eat where they live. And they can smell you from, like, you know, fucking yeah. 100 miles away. And then they'll stalk you and hunt you down, right? Mm. Uh, they're particularly fucking vicious and confrontational. Whereas bears in the woods, they're like, they'll generally keep themselves themselves unless you come and fuck with them. Yeah. But a polar bear, I mean, do you remember... Um, in when Attenborough did Planet Earth and they did the best bit was always at the end of the episode where they said now we're going to show you a bit about the making of this week's episode yeah. do you remember that yeah and the one when they were up in the fucking uh, North Pole right and they were in this fucking little cabin in the middle of fucking nowhere and a polar bear came and stalked them for days oh fuck do you remember? I've seen that. They, no, they I were seen at it. the cameraman. They were absolutely shitting themselves and watching Fucking it. Hell. I was shitting myself because they knew it was watching. And eventually, each day it got a bit closer. And by the end, it was like trying to smash its way in to fucking eat them. Wow! Wow! And I That's think a they, had a, they had itself, a gun and stuff. Because those yeah. extra bits they shot at the end, they're there to fill out the hour slot they've got on BBC. Because yeah. the the regular shows are fifty minutes that they sell abroad. Right. To have oh. ads inserted into oh, it to find a slot abroad. So that's it's why the best they bit, them mate. The end. Yeah, it's, it's great, the best isn't it? bit. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking um, love it. Those 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 blokes, they're all fucking humans of honours and the, sorry, men and the women who make it. Those fucking nature like cameramen and shit, 
they just fucking lie in the jungle for like mm. days waiting for one fucking shot. It's amazing. Yeah. What a job. Just so we can sit home, picking our nose and only paying half attention while simultaneously <laughs> yeah. scrolling Twitter. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? You're sat yeah. there looking at Twitter, laughing at some bullshit to do with the football or something, or something that's on telly, or you're making some glib remark about planet Earth. And this cunt has been filming it. He was out in the fucking Serengeti, sweating his bollocks off for a fortnight, lying on his fucking stomach, right, <laughs> with a little tripod, <laughs> waiting to fucking take a picture of this leopard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're just like, yeah, it's all right, that. No, Although a, I preferred right. his last series. <laughs> And that's why you'll all be gutted when the BBC gets fucking fucked over. Yeah. Um, there's another bit. Um, that's kind of at the end of the, the time.com um, page that we're looking at. It just says the badge, which Elvis was given, the FBI badge, was uh, an honorary one, but Elvis thought it was the real thing. Well, of course he did. Yeah. Um, I th- I'm sure there's... there's um, talk somewhere of Elvis demanding to see what was in the drawer. He wanted another badge, didn't he? He wanted one for Priscilla as well. Oh. I think we've spoken about <laughs> my that wife wants one. My wife's yeah. going to be an agent oh, too. One I'll take one of those in case I'll lose the first one. I need a backup. <laughs> I'm very absent-minded. I lose a lot of things. I lose my keys all the time. I lose my sunglasses wherever I go. I'm thinking so, of getting a chain like that Larry Grayson on British television. <laughs> a chain for my glasses. That way you never lose them. <laughs> Imagine Elvis with some glasses on the per- perched on the edge of his nose mm-hmm. with a fucking chain around them. Oh, man. Sweat I, pouring I, down I, his you face. You don't wear glasses, do you? But I have reading glasses, but I just keep them on most of the time because if not, I fucking lose them, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm always reading some shit on my phone. In yeah. a paper, who knows what, my mail. So let's keep them on. But um, when me and my, uh, my so my wife got me a um, one of those strings, a la- what I call a Larry Grayson. Yeah. Right? Uh, for my birthday, it was like one of my small presents. Because you're losing glasses the whole fucking time. You constantly need new glasses. you got to wear them like that. I say, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Like wearing glasses like Larry Grayson on a string. But then I did put it on and I forgot. And I actually went to West Ham versus Frankfurt at home, right, with them. And my and I was sitting on my own. I was sitting on my own reading, reading something. And then a bunch of my mates got on the train and went, all right, Sam. And I just took my glasses off because I'd been reading. And they hung there and they were like, what the fuck's this? And I didn't know what they were on about. And I went, what's what? And they went, and they actually said, oh, look, fucking Larry Grayson's here. And I was like, ah, I left on my glasses string. I'm only supposed to wear it around the house. <laughs> oh, no. I was really ashamed. Indoor Sam has become outdoor Sam. No, <laughs> no. this can't happen. Now my secret's out. And my <laughs> mate, Ollie, this is something that my, my wife and kids took the piss out of me for, right? Because we go out for, like, lunch maybe once a week if we can, right? Mm-hmm. We'll like meet at the pub or wherever. We'll go out and have a little lunch together, you know. And uh, he wears glasses too. And he mm. always forgets his glasses, yeah? And so sometimes when we go to lunch and also when we went to like Seville and Frankfurt together, I pack, uh, I'll have my glasses like in my top pocket and then I'll have a spare pair in my inside pocket. And I admitted to my wife and kids that 
part of the thinking behind having a spare pair is because he often forgets his. So I have a spare pair to lend to him for <laughs> to when he needs him. to read the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh. And I was like, don't say ah. And they're like, what, you two at West Ham and you've got your little pair of spare glasses for him? And I said, yeah, because if not, he's trying to read the menu where we're having lunch and he can't fucking read it. And then he's asking to borrow mine. It's an inconvenience. So I take him a spare pair of glasses. But they absolutely mullered me for it. And um, they were trying to make out that we were sissies for share, for me taking spare glasses. He also told me that he's got one pair of glasses that he calls his eating glasses. <laughs> which is separate for his reading glasses. His wife says to him when he's going out, have you got your glasses? He goes, yeah. And he goes, and she goes, have you got your eating glasses? <laughs> and he's so weird. I said, why are they eating glasses? And he just said to me, well, they're the glasses I wear when I'm eating so I can see what I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, eating glasses, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like he's just going around with like fucking six different pairs of glasses for every single scenario. These are my walking about glasses. These are my wanking glasses. I've got a special pair for when I'm doing a wank off. <laughs> oh, that's oh, a minefield once you get into the glasses game, mate. Oh, man. I do have some reading glasses, but I don't really need them. Hardly right. ever. It's only with really small print. But I, I realised that it's starting to like packaging now on on like food and jars and fucking stuff like that. Yeah. I need to like really just hold it out and get into the light to be able to read it properly. But yeah, I've got but some. Once I got, you start, the thing is, it gets worse straight away because yeah. your eyes start adjusting, and then just after to, that, stuff that you might have just about been able to read, forget yeah. it. You can't read it at all. I mean, if I'm reading stuff now, like off a screen, if I do put the reading glasses on, it's miles better. Oh, you and can't I think, believe Whoa, it, this can is you? Great. But then I think, yeah. oh, I can't be asked to fucking find the glasses and put them on. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, it's you got to have many ones in every jacket. Uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll get a fucking string, because I'm in the house all the time. Yeah, so I you can have some house, house string. Yeah, That's what you I'll, call do, it. I'll do house that. String. You don't even need to buy, you can just get a piece of twine and tie it to either, either <laughs> fucking bit of, your, of your, your, your spectacles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a life hack, mate. <laughs> My, my father-in-law, who I spent last week with, he always, no matter what the weather or what the scenario, indoor or out, I've never seen him not wearing a flak jacket, right? He he just really? wears... He's one of these guys who has a uniform. So he's always wearing his flak jacket, his sandals, and his Casio watch, right? Right. And if you go in... And I, I, look, I had a snoop around his rig, because that's where I was staying... And in his rig, he's just got, like, loads of flak jackets hanging out. And he also owns... you think it's just one Casio watch, but he's got, like, a load of them. He's got one for eating. He's got one for reading. Yeah. Is that, that's me eating watch. That's me wanking watch. I like my age. I don't do so much of that anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, he's just got this... But he always wears a flak jacket, like he's sort of, you know, out in the field doing some journalism from a war zone or something. Yeah. But he's got fucking different pairs of glasses in every pocket on the flat jacket. This is great, though. Once you find a look that you're happy with, stick yeah. with it. Yeah, he found nothing... it years ago. Yeah. That's really, really reassuring. Yeah, it just makes life easier. just makes life easier for him, you know? Yeah, of course. Right, that's about it. There's just another bit on a Guardian piece I was looking at about Elvis's FBI file, mm. which is available to read online in full, Ooh. I think. Um, it's it's there on the FBI website, and it's um, it's kind of like photocopies of of 
typed document, so it's quite hard to read in places. But it's it's all there by the looks of it. But there's a bit well, in the it. The FBI um, were sort of watching him, were they? Yeah, I went the FBI to file everyone, basically, Sorry. didn't they? Um, and obviously, for some reason, after a certain period of time, after someone's death, I think they must have to become public or whatever. Um, but it says in his file, one report says he is of the opinion that the Beatles laid the groundwork for many of the problems we are having with young people by their filthy, unkempt appearances and suggestive music. But what's he, where's he fucking, sorry to get a bit defensive and patriotic here, but what's he fucking talking about? Stand them side by side. Who looks filthier? Definitely Elvis. And I mean Elvis in any era because the amount of gunk he put in his hair for starters. Yeah. Right? So that's about, he's a farm boy. These are clean cut city lads. Yeah. Um, well, and second of all, like, he was the one with all the suggestive fucking suggest- hip He thrusting. started it, didn't he? Yeah. I didn't see the Beatles doing that. They were wearing nice suits and shaking their heads about. Yeah, they never had to film the Beatles from the hips up because no. it was too fucking suggestive what was going on what downstairs. What was wonderful about the Beatles is that they weren't being sexual in the least, and yet they still got as much funny as they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that no, was their modus operandi. Or they sent the women mad without being sexual. <laughs> they played it cool, didn't they? They did, yeah. <laughs> Waving it around. All you got to do is be ambivalent with the ladies and they come flocking. <laughs> I think Paul McCartney said that, or George Harrison, it was one of them. Yeah, or maybe it was George the Maharishi. Yeah, I think it was something Maharishi <laughs> yeah. told George Harrison. Let me tell you, George, you came here for wisdom, and I'm going to give you some now before you go home, right? Here it is. When it comes to the funny, yeah, just fucking act disinterested. <laughs> totally disinterested, right? And in the end, they will fucking give you anything they want. Trust Curiosity me. will get the better of them. My whole life, I have never once been short of Fanny. And my secret is ambivalence. (laughs) That, and being the leader of a cult. (laughs) That helps as well. One last bit about Elvis. Uh, Our good friend of the show and excellent actor, John Bradley. Yeah. John Bradley West. uh, Got in touch to say that um, there's a great documentary, which I haven't seen. You might have, Andy called the burger and the king that is specifically about fool's gold and yes. elvis's obsession with it yes he i goes, have seen this yeah he goes they're talking about fool's gold and uh john says he once got his private jet catered with fool's gold they took off he blasted all of them straight away and then made the jet turn around so he could get another load <laughs> fucking hell this is oh, a documentary man. that we may have to dive separately. Yeah, it was a BBC one, I think. It's an arena. It's an arena. Yeah, that's the and one. It, apparently, it's on iPlayer still. Oh, he right, sent it okay. to me. It's a 1996 arena documentary yeah. called The Burger and the King. I've not seen it since then. We might, di- we might dive that if it's still on iPlayer, which I think it is. Yeah, we might do that next week. Turn then. the plane around. I'll finish my full school. But, uh, but. King, yeah. uh, you you brought you brought thirty sandwiches with you. I'll finish them all. Turn it around. Turn this motherfucker playing around. <laughs> Imagine being that into one sandwich, Andy. What in your life is the sandwich? It might be in a face. You might not be into it anymore. But what's the sandwich that you've been most into? Like I remember one of my mates. He got he put on loads of weight once when he got a new job, 
And I saw him and I said, what's with all this weight you've put on? Like, mm. last, in last, I've only, t- sorry, two months ago, you were after the size. He went, oh, well, there's a fucking sandwich shop opposite my new office. And mm. he goes and they do, I don't know, it might be what you call up north a chicken palm, but it was like a chicken escalop in like a, yeah. like a roll, chipata roll with like mayonnaise, bacon and salad. And he yeah. said it was so nice that he just, he was thinking about it all the time. And he mm. just had one every single lunchtime. And this went on for months and he just became, I mean, he'd started looking like late period Elvis. Yeah. And I'd, uh, just, I'd just go back to, I've spoken about it before, the Greg's Whopper that they oh, used yeah. to do, which was a, a kind of a stotty quarter. Um, so it's like a big triangular bap. And the two that I loved was the ham salad because mm. it was just fucking full of all the ingredients. Yeah. They were having to, like, crush it down to get everything in. Yeah. And the other one was the, the egg and bacon, which was egg mayonnaise mm. with two rashes of bacon crisscrossed over the top. Oh, and that was just... Oh, I mean, in terms of, like, hangover food, that was just sublime. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I've never... I if done a podcast that's, them. like, the sandwiches of my life. They definitely have, haven't well, they? Well, I mean, the, the comedians, the, the, you the know... The comedians will have definitely they'll done, have done it, They'll have they? done them, yeah, yeah getting all their mates on, talking to each mm. other about their favourite sandwiches. Mm. Anyway, they'll run out eventually. Then what? Then where will we be? Yeah. Then, what'll then we'll podcast? have to go back into EU and start getting some European podcasts. Yeah, probably. So that's pretty much the Elvis meets Nixon thing. Um, I think we've covered everything there. We'll we'll try and find out if this Fool's Gold documentary is on iPlayer and maybe uh, deep dive that next. Yeah, yeah, we can't be, you know, more Elvis the better is my attitude. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.